How to win a Lifetime Achievement Award for Services to Television and How Not To. A Good Omens Fic by Gary Oldman. Read by a team of Podfickers. Chapter 4 I'm not nice. Hapexnim at Hapex. One hour. Sorry, but this episode of hashtag GMMD is actually so darling. Susan Sarandon adopt me, please. At Alchemy and Parliament. One hour. Okay, was anyone going to tell me that At That Crowley was hot, or was I just supposed to watch his show myself? Hashtag GMMD. Susie Beaumarch. At Shadow Manor. One hour. On a scale from one to At That Crowley, how oblivious are you when someone is flirting with you? Hashtag GMMD. Rain our sunshine. At raining. 35 minutes. I'll give At That Crowley something for breakfast if At Aziraphale doesn't get there first. Hashtag GMMD. So apparently the show was a success. Fan-fucking-tastic. I'm sure Anathema is very pleased, and I know that because she spent the entire drive back smugly looking over her iPad at me. I'd say she was probably sexting, but that would require her to talk to people that weren't me, which, as we all know, doesn't happen. It's one, which means it's simultaneously my breakfast time, lunchtime and bedtime, so I'm going to gorge on a king-size beef noodle pot and fall asleep on my face watching Golden Girls reruns. Maybe I'll wake up hating myself less one of these days. Today was not the day. Still a fucking idiot. The tweets keep rolling in. This would normally really bump my ego and inflate it to the size it should be. Huge. But I just can't stand to look at them. In any case, I have a DM from Aziraphale, which, you know, it would be rude to ignore. I'm too tired to be rude. I suppose I should have expected you to disappear the second you could. It's the Irish in me. You're Irish? Nope. The viewing figures are looking good, so I'm sure the higher-ups are happy. Oh, shit. Should I tell him? Seems like I should, but is that too friendly? Fuck, fuck, fuck! Do your team have access to your Twitter? Pardon? Don't take this as an extension of friendship or anything, but are you busy? Nope. I've just finished my volunteering for the day. Of course you fucking have. You should come over. To your house? Flat. Yes. This is definitely a mistake. For one thing, I hate sharing personal details over something like Twitter Although hackers are disappointingly uninterested in unearthing my nudes, it just feels like asking for trouble to type out your address on the internet. 
That's basically the one thing people told us not to do. For another thing, despite my saying not to, this could definitely be seen as an extension of friendship. You know those moments when you're expecting someone to come over, so you just can't get comfortable in your own house? And how maybe you would feel a bit like wrapping yourself in a blanket burrito and watch some innocuous and definitely not telling morning talk show reruns to pass the time, but to do so would risk the expected visitor walking in on you in such a ridiculous state and maybe their own image on television? I wonder which of my books would make me look most edgy and cool. And which spot on the sofa looks most casual and least orchestrated? Piss it, it doesn't matter. He's at the door. Uh, hi. I hate myself. Good afternoon. I hate him, probably. Can I come in? Piss. Yeah, come on in. To say that he does not suit my living room might be a bit of an understatement. He's all soft white, rounded edges, warmth and beauty. He's just about the only thing in the room for the light to catch, so it looks like he's glowing and it's really fucking weird. Plus, he's just staring at me. Although I guess I'm a bit staring at him to notice all these things, but not dwelling. Tea? Whiskey? It's 2pm. Whiskey, then. Tea will be fine. Suit yourself. But I'm pouring two cups of tea from a kettle pre-boiled in anticipation. And then, all of a sudden, I'm sat in my living room staring at Aziraphale sipping a cup of tea, and he's actually staring back, which makes a change from the TV screen that's normally between us when I do this. It strikes me that this is also the first time we've been alone. No cameras, no audiences, just two people which I hate, because I'm quite certain I don't properly exist unless I'm performing, and I never have to do this with anyone except Anathema, which is probably why I say, Sup? Aziraphale laughs. He doesn't seem nervous, the bastard. He probably doesn't even consider his work as a performance. Double bastard. <laughs> You asked me here, remember? All right, don't go spreading that around. I take a sip from my tea to avoid talking for a few more seconds. Your reputation is safe with me, Antony. Annoyingly, I believe him, which makes me hate him a bit more. Yeah, so, actually, about reputations. I don't get him? He's looking up at me as he sips his tea and he just looks fine. Like, not at all that I could be about to give him bad news or trying to hurt him or whatever. He looks so contented like no one has ever said, we need to talk, and been struck with absolute agony from that. 
No one should ever be this unconcerned about every single interaction. He was just waiting patiently. So, uh, that tall man at your studio? Ah, I see you had the pleasure of meeting Gabriel. Yeah, well, more of an eavesdrop than a meet, to be honest. This did surprise him. The corner of his mouth perked up. I was quite pleased about that because I'm a self-loathing wanker. He's trying to screw you. Pardon? Screw you over. I mean, not... No, he's trying to sabotage your show or whatever. Wants you out. That's why he wanted me on the show, I think. To ruin it. But Aziraphale didn't look surprised. Oh, I know. You do? Of course. They're not exactly quiet about their plotting. Oh, right. That's good then, I suppose. But now we're just sat here. No longer are we plotting, colleagues in a way, sat around the war table discussing treachery. We're just two guys having a cup of tea, and I think I'd honestly rather be going to war. In war you have weapons and armour, not teacups. You told me. His tone is light, but I've spent enough time watching him on TV to know when he's getting at something. Huh? Pardon me for saying it, but your brand? Well, it's bullshit. My jaw dropped. You can't swear. Why ever not? He laughed. You're... I don't know. You're not a swearing person. For one thing, you're dressed like the inside of my grand sewing box, so the whole thing seems like blasphemy. Of course, I don't say this. I can have some tact sometimes. I can be? The smile he's shooting is something else entirely. I've never seen that on TV. Ahem. My brand isn't bullshit. I changed the train of thought back to more important matters, or at least matters I can get my head around more comfortably. Oh, it completely is. Please, you spend your whole show trying to make your guests uncomfortable, but you've never gone too far, which is actually very hard to do. You have an entire segment on you reading thirst tweets, but the first time I dare to say anything close to risque, you clam up on stage in front of thousands of people. I can only imagine what your reaction would be if one of your hunky actor guests did the same thing. You might have a heart attack. Wouldn't be so sure about that. But thank fuck, I don't think he heard that. And now you're here. You came on my show and had every opportunity to ruin things. My people wanted you to. I'm certain your people did too. But you didn't. And now you're telling me this with little to no benefit to yourself. Any of that seem particularly on brand to you? 
It's one thing to be bad at your job, but it's another to have the nicest person in the country tell you so in the privacy of your own home. Well, fuck you, I'll be a bastard then. Go on then. He cocked an eyebrow in challenge. I... You have every opportunity. I'm quite at your mercy if you hadn't noticed. All it would take is a quick, candid shot of me in your home and a suggestive emoji on Twitter, and I'm sure my career would be down the drain. Your show would get plenty of views as a result. Everyone's a winner. Well... But you're not going to do it. And do you know how I know? I... Because if you were this awful person that you pretended to be on television, you would have done it by now. You would have told the world what I whispered to you on stage and let me be in for a world of trouble. But you're too nice, Antony. I am not nice, I say, finally gathering up enough words for a full sentence. This much I knew as a fact. Sure, I may not be as big of a bastard as my brand implied, but I was certainly not nice. Nice is for Lifetime Achievement Award winners. No, Aziraphale says, and there's something in his eyes. I'm sure there's something in my eyes too, because his seem to light up when he meets them. Prove it. There are many times in life when you should question what you're being asked to do rather than jumping into it without thought. Flinging yourself off a cliff, for example. Now does not seem like one of those times. And then I'm kissing him, but it's not like normal kissing. I'm angry. And he's angry too. He's pressing back against me and simultaneously pulling me closer to him. I've got him pinned underneath me, but I feel like I'm the one trapped. I don't know how I close the distance so quickly, and I don't know what's going to happen as soon as this is done. But this is like scratching an itch you've had for a week, and I can't help the groan that comes out of my throat as his hands slide over me. Those words he whispered to me across the stage bang around in my head, and this is my payback. Every interaction we've had rolls through my mind like a film reel or a checklist. The gifts, the memes, the DMs, and the show that morning. I'm enacting my revenge for them all. My whole body is poised for it, seeking vengeance for my humiliation, and his responds in his quiet refusal to be sorry for it. My teeth nip his lip, his nails press into my skin. We're at war now, and we're both losing. My lips trace the trenches of his jaw, and his body closes the no-man's land between us until there's nothing there. It's desperate, agonizing battle, kissing and holding and moaning and... The phone rings. 
the moment breaks. My mind comes back to its senses, and my heavy breathing grows even heavier when I take the time to look down at him, the nation's favorite TV show host, children's hospital volunteer, and living angel, flushed and pinned underneath me, glowing against the black velvet of my couch. Stronger man than I have withered at less. I should get that. I scramble off him, taking my time to readjust myself, breathe in as much oxygen as my lungs will allow, and trying not to think about how I just jumped off a cliff head first and still haven't hit the rocks below. Everything seems like a good idea when you've got the wind in your hair. Uh, hi, Anathema. Are you okay? What? You sound weird. Are you sick? No, I'm fine. What's up? Just a heads up. The producers want to catch you before the show tonight, so they want you to come in early. I'm in too deep with this mess to worry about what the fuck this might be about. Early. Yeah, that okay? Uh, yeah, sure. Are you sure you're okay? Certain. I haven't caught you having some me time, have I? You have, actually. I say, rushing to get her off the phone. Right. Well, you go finish. I'll see you later. I hate you. But her hanging up was even worse. It meant that once again we were alone and the rocks were coming so close I could feel the waves crashing on my face. I forced my eyes to look up from my phone, which was just about the most difficult thing I have ever done. I don't know what I was expecting, but this wasn't it. Aziraphale has removed his jacket, and though his cheeks are still pink and his lips red, he looks so much more collected than I feel. He actually looks more relaxed than I think I've ever seen him, as if a steamy makeout session in the name of rivalry and anger is just the thing that puts him at ease. I feel like a bottle rocket about to explode. In so many ways. Um, so... I stutter, standing there with my phone in hand like a stupid garden gnome or Halloween decoration or something. Should we talk about all that? I don't know what that talk would even consist of. An agreement to never do that again, perhaps? A stern talking to that this would likely mean the end of both of our careers as we know it? My heart is beating entirely too fast, and my blood is entirely too electrically charged to think properly, let alone have a talk, but it's inevitable. The moment has gone, and now it's time to face the rocks below. Hmm. I'm not sure.
I wasn't particularly clear on the point you were trying to make the first time. Is he saying... Are you saying... Yes. There was no bravado about it. It was an offer, but not a temptation. Not a dirty thing. He looked calm still, as if this whole thing was perfectly ordinary and inevitable. Well, okay, but I really must insist you don't see this as a sign of friendship or anything. We're still enemies, all right? Whatever you say, dear. The funny thing about hitting the rocks is that, once you do, you can run right to the top of the cliff and throw yourself off once more. You know, assuming you don't die. DM me your dogs at Wasprick. Three hours. At that Crowley is wearing a turtleneck, which is ho code for hiding a hickey. Barney Gumble Forever at Apple Seeds. Three hours. We'll give the contents of my bank account to know who made at that Crowley look like that. I'll have what he's having. Thanks. Rebecca is gay for Taylor Swift. At Restless Resolve. Three hours. Guarantee that at that Crowley is getting some tonight with the speed he finished the show tonight. Have fun, my man.